Welcome to another episode of Unwritten Rules. I am your host, Shelby Cravens. For this episode, I am the Director of Media Relations for the Iowa Cubs, and we have got a very extra special guest on for today. Um, he played parts of five seasons in Iowa, three in Chicago. You might know him as the mayor of Des Moines or the staring catcher. We've got Taylor Davis on today. Taylor, how are you? What's going on? I'm doing great. But I feel like I feel like if uh, if I were still a cub, I would probably be running this podcast, Shelby. So it's probably a good thing I'm not there. So you get some sure. some FaceTime. <laughs> I mean, if you want to come, we've got rotating hosts. So anytime you want to pop in and host your own guest, I think we can make that happen. We kind of we control everything here, so there are no rules. Even there are unwritten rules. Wait, no, no I was real rules. Say, they're unwritten rules. <laughs> they're oh, all unwritten. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, it's been a while since we've seen you, so about a year and a half, so catch us up on your life and what's been going on. Yeah, so um, I, after I got, I got designated uh, kind of in the middle of September and uh, became a free agent and kind of just uh, sat around as sad as I could possibly be waiting for a job and uh, didn't really know what was going to happen. It was crazy. It was actually my first, uh, I guess technically my second. The first time I was in free agency, though, it was uh, a lot faster. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was my first real trip to free agency. I ended up signing, uh, with the Orioles, uh, to go be with a lot of my ex, uh, Chicago coaching staff. That was a big reason I came over to Baltimore. Um, I think there's a lot of cool stuff happening over here, but a big reason we're the people and, um, and it's been, it's been a fun, uh, last year obviously was a strange year. Um, but, but we had fun. We had fun doing it. It was my first spring training in, in Florida which was awesome for my parents. My parents loved it because uh, they live in Florida, but it was different for us, for me and my wife. A little more travel, but uh, the beach was definitely a, a decent uh, a decent addition. Um, really, though, we've been pretty boring. I've just had a, you know, our son, my son Brooks is um, almost 18 months old now, so that's really all I've been doing for the past year and a half is, is trying to um, keep him alive and make sure he's healthy and safe. Alive is great. That's a great goal. Uh, <laughs> so how has fatherhood suited you? Uh, you know, it's, I, I, it's awesome. Obviously like first and foremost, it's incredible. Uh, it's tiring for sure. I think that's, you know, like everybody can warn you all you want, but there is no getting ready for, um, you know, what's going to happen. And, and kind of, you know, the funny part to me is that, um, even if like the nights that he sleeps good and all that, it's not even so much the actual sleep itself as it is. I'm always like alert now. Like, I feel like there's never a second where I can relax my mind because now everything is like an enemy to me. Anything sharp, anything hard, like you are not my friend. So, um, you know, I think that's like a big reason, but, uh, but no, it's been incredible. Um, we're really lucky. I mean, everybody, you know, I'm going to be one of those dads that's on here, like showing pictures at the end of this, but, uh, I feel like that's a requirement. Like you gotta, you gotta have the wallet photos to say, oh, by the way, have you seen yeah, my yeah, son? Yeah. Have you seen my kid? Uh, yeah. By the end of the conversation, if you haven't seen him again, then I'm gonna have to show it to you again. <laughs> we just gotta keep going. So you mentioned being with the Cubs for what nine seasons? I think nine I years. Yeah. So how do you even? What is that transition like to start playing for a new organization after spending a lifetime with the same, I know. The same I know. organization? And you know what's funny is everybody used to joke in the dugout. It never came. I'm a little bitter. I'm going to have to talk to Sam about this. But everybody was saying that uh, I should have asked for an iCubs extension. 
just go straight iCubs extension. <laughs> like five years, you know, I can't go to the big leagues. I just stay in Iowa, but that's fine. I was the mayor anyway. No big deal. That way I could have even ran for mayor. I could have had a second job. For you. Um, I mean, didn't you, well, we'll get back, finish this question and okay, I'll get back to that okay. one. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was probably the hardest part of the whole process was, uh, you know, obviously they gave me my first opportunity in pro ball and in uh, and in the big leagues. And so and I loved it over there. I lo- as you guys all know, like I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the people. Um, and so it was definitely difficult. Um, but at the same point, I think it was one of those things where um, it was time for me to try to get out and see what else was out there and try to give myself the best opportunities um, that I possibly could. And so, um, thankfully I think we're at that spot and, um, I re-signed with the Orioles this year. So, um, hopefully I'll have, you know, another opportunity here to, uh, just try to kind of do the same thing I did in Chicago and, and try to help them. You know, I always told everybody, you know, I, I want to help you win no matter how that is. So, and that's how I feel here as well. Yeah, that's great. Um, so going back to the mayor of Des Moines, one, how did that title come to be? And what I was going to say before, you actually looked into mm-hmm. what it would take to run for the mayor of Des Moines. So tell I us did. about that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I did. So, you know, I think the mayor of Des Moines started, uh, so after my fourth year, so after 2018, uh, maybe it was after 17, I'm not even sure. All the years run together at this point. Some one of the fans, one of the fans, um, I don't want to name them on here. One of the fans sent me uh, an Iowa Cub, an I that was a that was a Letterman patch put on because I had made a joke about it was my like I needed my Letterman patch, and so I I got that. And I think the next year they're like, okay, well you got your Letterman patch. What's next? And I was like, I'm gonna be the mayor of Des Moines. I don't know. (laughs) And and then so that kind of played around for about a year, and then this after in the off season, yeah. So that was in 2018 and then the off season between 18 and 19 I was like you know what like some places that's actually a possibility let's go see if I could do it then I looked into it and I looked at all the votes that that we needed I think no offense to the mayor of Des Moines but I think we could have competed okay if we would have got all the iCub fans I think we had a chance but I would have had to move to Iowa and it's just way too cold like I don't even I don't mind like a little bit of cold but didn't you say it was like it when it gets look when you live in a place that it's in, in single digits enough, like that's too much for me. I can't do that. Yeah. Can I read you the, it's currently five degrees and the oh. forecast for the next couple of days, the highs are zero, one, negative four, negative two, five. And then it finally warms up to 16 a week from today. So, yeah. That, sound, that yeah, sounds like. Don't blame you at all on that. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's miserable. Um, so let's talk a, li- a little bit about baseball. Your catcher. I think a lot of casual fans, especially you know, when I was a kid, I thought catchers you just you just sit there and you catch the ball. That's that's what a catcher does. But we all know there's a lot more to it than that. So, how would you describe your job on the diamond and what goes into doing your job every day? Um, I try to think of myself as really. Um, the most selfless person on the field. Uh, my whole goal obviously is to help the guy on the mound, uh, do, do the correct stuff. So I'm, I'm here to give advice. I'm here to, uh, obviously give options for pitches. And then I'm there to, to work my tail off to make sure that he gets as many pitches uh, called for strikes as possible. Um, 
And, you know, I, I really took pride in that. I, I took pride in, in being somebody that was around the pitchers a lot that really worked with the pitchers. Um, I think it's important for a catcher to do that. I think that that's a huge deal. I always room with pitchers. I found myself that like, I'm in uh, like all my best friends now for the most part are pitchers. So it's like, you know, and I always used to say they were the weirdest ones and they are too. Don't, don't like, they're definitely the weirdest. Um, but, but no, I, you know, I think, uh, Tim Cousins, who was with the organization, who's now with the Orioles, he used to always say one for four and a win. That was his big quote. And it's it, it was it's so true. And it's funny now because now when he says it, everybody's like, no, 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 man. Hitting's way too important. Two for five and a win. And so, you know, OK, fine. He's like, OK, fine. Two for five and a win. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, winning the game is the most important thing for a catcher. And it should be um, one of the quotes that I heard that was interesting. Uh, about catchers was that the best catchers are the ones that you don't hear about. And what that's supposed to mean is that really the only time you see a catcher for the most part on a baseball field is because they did something wrong. They had, there's a pass ball. They dropped a ball at the plate and the guy's safe at the plate. They threw a ball away. Those are really the only times you hear about the catcher's name during the game. Um, so I was always told like, Hey, like if you don't hear your name called, like if nobody's really thinking about you, you probably had a decent night. And so I thought that was an interesting, interesting concept, too. Yeah, I like that. I never heard that one before. Um, who is the hardest pitcher you've ever had to catch? Dylan Maples. Oh, gosh. I can just watching him. I can only imagine. <laughs> yes. Yes. Dylan Maples is the hardest, but he's also the most exciting, I, I think. And I've, I, you know, I've told a lot of people, but it's, it's exciting. There's, there's a lot of fun stuff. And obviously, the Iowa Cubs fans have gotten to see quite a bit of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's. He was always the one that was like, hey, man, like all the other catchers were like, he's getting ready to get on the mound. All the other catchers were like, I'm, I'm out of there. I'm out of there. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah, when, he, when he's on, he is something to see. I mean, yes. it's really fun to watch. I love seeing, you know, all the, the Twitter guys, the pitching ninja, you know, everything. Oh, that are obsessed with him? And the ones I've seen of his is just incredible. I mean, you just watch it on a loop and just. They're like wiffle balls. Yeah. I'm actually I'm interested to see with I don't know if you saw that I'm sure you did that they're changing the baseball. So I'm interested to see how that affects him pitchers in general. But somebody like him, I think, could be really affected by it because I don't know how the, the weight difference will change spin rates. Um, and I don't think it'll hurt him. I think if anything, it'll make him better, which is terrifying. But um, I definitely think that there could be even more improvement. I think he could spin the ball even more, which is crazy. That would be, hopefully we get to, we get to see that climb and it'll be fun to watch. Let's talk about Darvish and how that is to catch someone like him and of that caliber in the big leagues. Yeah. Uh, he is really fun to catch, you know, and, and honestly, Dylan, as hard as he is to catch, he's also really fun to catch because um, it is a challenge. And I, I, you know, I think, most of us athletes embrace that, the competitiveness in us. We, we, we love that. Uh, and, and you was kind of the same way. His stuff is so electric. His pitches are so electric and so sharp. Um, and, and he can get you out with any one of them. And that's kind of the fun part uh, is there's so many options to choose from. Um, it's really just trying to help guide him and, and help him stay within his lane. Um, but, man, is he an imposing force to see on that mound? And people don't understand he's big. Like, he's not like – six foot like he's a large human being on top of having being able to throw the ball 100 miles an hour 
I remember the ball that he hit. So in 2008, uh, was it eight? No, 2019, they were pitching in my, he was pitching in Miami mm-hmm. and his last pitch of the game hit Lewis Brinson and it hit Brinson and then it hit Contreras and then it hit uh, the umpire. Got all three, but it was like 99. It was like his last pitch of the game was almost a hundred miles an hour. It's just insane, um, you know, to have that kind of talent. And and he's going to go, you know, I'm sure he's going to continue. Everybody's seen what he's been doing um, and continued to do for about a year and a half now. So, um, you know, it's going to be exciting, you know, not exciting for Cubs fans now, but uh, it's going to be exciting for Padres fans. No, we're hoping that that deal pays off in the future with some of those prospects and who knows what those guys will turn out to be. So could be something exciting there. Who's someone that you have not caught that who's the dream person to catch? Either someone active or someone maybe uh, a player from the past. Man, I, I tell you, I'd love to do – I mean, I think this is – I feel like this is like a gimme, but like Tim Wakefield would have been so much fun to see. I'd love to have seen Tim Wakefield in his prime. Um, and then, you know, honestly, I don't know. Uh, Shohei Otani really intrigues me. Just I think he's somebody that baseball is – and I don't know this, but I feel like baseball's kind of taking him for granted. Like, yeah, I don't think people quite understand how impressive it is what he's doing. Um, and 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 it's not stopped. Like he's gotten better at the at the plate, which is where everybody was wondering how it was going to go. Um, I don't know. Like, I think I've always said Randy Johnson to me was the most imposing pitcher. Like, I don't care if you're right-handed or left-handed. Like, seeing Randy Johnson on the mound has to be the most terrifying thing of all time. So, like, I'd love to catch him because he also, like, is 10 feet tall and drops the ball in the glove. So, that would have been fun, too. I mean, any of those kind of, you know, big-name guys, I'd say. Any any Hall of Famer. But, uh, yeah. I'll say I'll say Wakefield. Wakefield's a good one. That would be – that'd be a tough one. Do you know anyone that's ever – have you ever caught a knuckleballer? Well, we had a knuckleballer, but he was uh, – so, for fans that don't know, there are two different types of knuckleballs. There's a harder knuckleball that R.A. Dickey throws, and then there's the Tim Wakefield knuckleball. So R.A. Dickey's knuckleballs, I believe he threw them somewhere between like 78 to 81, somewhere in that range. And then Tim Wakefield's were significantly slower. The Cubs had a guy when I first signed named Joe Zeller that threw a knuckleball, but it was the R.A. Dickey kind. So it was not – it was a harder knuckleball. Um, And so I've never caught like a slow wait for it to get there – like movie knuckleball so no but I want to catch that that would be an experience (laughs) to say the least (laughs) so let's talk about we'll do on-field highlights and off-field highlights and get into some of the craziness but let's start with on-field highlights of either your professional career or even before that oh so many um so you know, one of my favorite ones, and I actually got to replay this uh, with so Ben Carhart, who was a coach in Iowa at one point, yeah. is now the bullpen catcher for the Orioles, for the, the major league bullpen catcher. And so we always, he went to my rival high school. So Ben Carhart went to my rival high school. We played on the same travel team since we were 12 years old. We played against each other in high school. We committed to the same junior college. He got drafted a year after I did with the Cubs. And then we both went to the Orioles the same year. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know you guys had that background. Yeah. So like, we've like been together almost our entire baseball career, which is wild. But, um, so we like, we opened the yearbook way too often, but one of the, we played, so my high school, I went to Jupiter high school. He went to Palm beach gardens high school. 
we were both really good. But my junior year, our junior year, they were really good. They were like third in the nation. And we beat them at home. I had a hit in the last inning to tie the game. And then we won the game two pitches later on a walk-off pass ball. Uh, Yeah. So, honestly, that to me, like, I told him, I I think up until my two hits in the big leagues, that was my – my two big hits in the big leagues. That was my high, my was my entire career highlight. Then I got the hit in the big leagues uh, against the Cardinals in the tenth, my first year, which was really cool. Uh-huh. And then uh, the home run against Waka. Um, yeah. Those would be my three big on-field highlights. I did throw out Mike Trout in a like backfield spring training game, stealing a base, and it was the worst throw in the world. Junior Lake at the <laughs> time was still a shortstop. And he somehow made some sick play and got the guy out. And I didn't even really think about it until like a couple of years ago. And I was like, dang, I'm going to start telling that story way more often. All you got to do is say, I threw out Mike Trout once. You don't even have to give context. And you just, I know. I know. know. Yeah. It was his best. It was definitely, it was his best stealing time of all time. The pitcher took really long. I was, it was just a perfect throw. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I just got him out. But no, Uh, those, there's that saying. Never ruin a good story with the truth. If you just leave out a few facts, you <laughs> think it, it makes it so much better. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Um, trying to think. I'll tell you an on field. It's not really a highlight. It's more of a low light. But it it's something that I've I've thought about uh, recently. We played a game. We played a, a double header in Colorado Springs. I, there's two. I got two Colorado Springs stories for you here. So there's yeah, there's probably absolutely. more than two, but we'll we'll just <laughs> we'll keep it to two. So the first one, uh, <laughs> there was a game in Colorado Springs that we ended up winning like by like ten runs, and PV got thrown out in like the the third inning. I think we were winning seven to one or eight to one, and Matt Caesar hit an infield hit. Got he he was out at first base, but he was not out. And PV got thrown out of the game in my third inning. We were winning like eight to one, 10 to one. Well, that game, I ended up going 0 for 5. I was the only starter, including both starting pitchers, to not have a hit, which is somewhat Im- impressive to begin with. But this is the real impressive part. I ended the first, second, and third innings. I hit a double play to end the first, I struck out to end the second. And I had to do a double play to end the third. I made five outs in three innings. That one, that was hard. That was hard to swallow. Uh, impressive feat. That's hard, really hard to do. Yeah, about as hard as going over 48, which I did my last year with Iowa, too. Uh, I also, we played a game, a doubleheader in Colorado Springs, and we got walked off by the same guy in both games. I believe Domingo Santana hit a home run in both games of the doubleheader to win both games. Oh, that's and cool. I don't yeah, and I don't know that you'll ever see that ever again anywhere. I'll tell you a fun fun Colorado Springs fact from was it 2018 which was win-loss wise a terrible season. No, was it tough. That was a yeah. 2018 yeah. was a tough one. 2018 just a just a tough year. Yeah. It's Colorado Springs and you know that the air and how the ball flies there. 16 games in Colorado Springs, no home runs for the Iowa Cubs. Zero. I, I, I've never hit one. I've never I hit a home run Springs. in Colorado Springs. Never. You know what's funny about that? 
it gets even funnier. I've never hit a home run in Colorado Springs, and every every series that we played in New Orleans, I had a home run. Something I don't know. What am I doing? You got to give the I'll take the freebies when they're given to you. You're used to the southern southern air or something. I guess. I guess yeah, maybe I the and research this Colorado Springs things, and I think it was in in like the last 10 years, as far back as I could go, no one had ever not hit a home run in a four game series in a four game series, let alone like a whole season series. In and college. we had four of those. And yeah, you went, you went just over. That's impressive. That, that really is. That's, that was, yeah, but that was like 18 to like the year to forget. That was a bad year for the Iowa Cubs. It was tough. It was tough in loss wise. And then, I don't know if you remember the weather, but we had awful, awful weather that year. We yeah, like, yeah. Every home game was bitterly cold, and then we had yep. no nice, like, 75-degree days. It just went from snow and freezing to just unbearably hot, and no one wanted to come to a game because it was like, we're not sitting, we're not sitting through this. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember the beginning of that because – it started out really cold and then it warmed up a bit, but it rained really hard for a couple series. Yep. So like the first like four series, we had to have a game rained out at least each of those series. I remember. And the crazy thing is, so like I always, def- when people asked me about playing in Iowa, every, everybody's first thing was always, dang, like how cold is it? Is it freezing? My, so my assessment of Iowa was like, all right, guys, two series, you're going to have two series where it's going to be miserably cold. I'll tell you that right now. Like your first two series of the year, they're going to be really cold. Your last two series of the year are going to be really hot. But in the middle, or not your last two, but they're going to be like that, that usually like that oh August. God. There's, yeah. Yeah. You get like two weeks where it just gets miserably hot. But other than that, it's, it was beautiful. You'd have a little wind here and there. Um, and then everybody, oh, you got to see the dome. You got to talk about the gold dome in the outfield. That You know what? I'm so over hearing about how bad that dome is for hitters. Like, <laughs> It's bad for hitters if you think about it, but it's not that bad. That Will you explain, for the people who aren't aware of it, explain kind of the dome and the gripe with the dome, and did you have any ever have any trouble with the dome? So the gold dome in center field, the, the, is it the state capitol building or just state the Des Moines capitol? Yep. Okay, so the state capitol building is covered, and I believe it's covered with real gold leaf, correct? Uh, my Iowa history um, is you're not you're not up on your Iowa history yet. Let's say that that sounds cool. So I think it is. I'm, I'm pre- so my father-in-law is a history buff, and I'm pretty sure they went and did it. And I think he said it's actually covered in gold leaf. Anyway, so in day games, if okay, so here was the here was the thing in day games. If you're a right-handed hitter and you're facing a left-handed pitcher, they claimed that they threw the ball out of the gold dome. And I will say I faced a guy or two that that happened to. Um, it wasn't consistent. It wasn't significant. Uh, but it does happen every now and again. Uh, but it wasn't like every pitcher. Everybody, the way people think about it is like, man, if we face a lefty, it's going to be out of the dome. I didn't think that was the case. Um, and then for the people that are listening that aren't aware, the gold dome is not covered by a hitter's eye. And that's the big right. the big question mark, I guess, the gripe. Uh but I'll tell you, I, I loved Iowa playing there. Also, like, I, I actually think that it's the – I've always said it's the truest field in the PCL. And I think – and I say that because I think you get um, 
typically it plays true. Like if, if you hit a home run, it's going to be a home run. If you miss hit something, it's not going to be a home run. But I think there's equal amount of days where the wind blows out and the wind blows in. So for the most part, I think it's a really true park in the PCL. Um, but I do think that it can, it can, I will tell you this, and this is like underrated. I think it was tougher to see at like twilight because no hitter's eye. And a lot of times if you get cloud cover during twilight, it's just white back there. Ah, yeah. So to me, that was the more difficult time to hit. Now it also could just be because I'm short and I have a different angle than everybody else, but I don't know. And so the, the story behind the batter's eye is what I've heard. It's basically we're grandfathered in that that wasn't a requirement when this stadium was built. And until we do something to that center field wall, like if you go behind that center field wall, it's all wood. It's propped Classic. up by, yeah, it's propped up by beams. I mean, you can tell it's been there a few years. And so as long as we don't touch that wall, we don't have to have a batter's eye. That might change, might change this year with the new major league, minor league agreement and everything. But that, you know, that's the reason behind that. And because of the view, um, the whoever makes the decisions that are above my head, you know, we like to keep that view just aesthetically, but that's kind of the reason behind no, no batter's eye here where you see it everywhere else. Yeah. That, that's what I had heard too. I, I remember like one of my first years here, I asked one of the grounds crew and that's what they had told me. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about off field highlights. Uh, I know you got plenty of stories to tell. So let's get into some of, some of your memories of, could be anything from minor league baseball or man professional baseball okay here's here's a good one this is a good one to start with at least and it can probably take us in a couple directions so 2019 uh we're getting ready to clinch and i called uh the one of the general managers at um the rooftop across the street and i said hey um yeah 300 and i said hey if, if we have some guys come over can you guys, you know, save us some seats or something? And uh, he said, yeah. And as a matter of fact, if you guys are going to clinch, we'll save you some champagne. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Cool. Like, whatever. So I'll have the guys come over. So we all went over there. We all, you know, everybody, I think a lot of the front office came over there too. And everybody just kind of hung out. I mean, we hadn't, one, been to the postseason since 2008. So right. it was, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Was fun. So, <clears throat> and I don't know if you might not even know this story. I think I told you this. So there's two parts to this story. The first is we got over there in the beginning and uh, <clears throat> I think uh, the, whoever I, whoever like went over with me, um, you guys weren't there yet. And so when Sam came over, he was like, Hey, um, you know, you guys can, you guys can add stuff to our tab if you want, if you're going to order stuff. Yeah. And that's Sam Burnaby, our general manager. <clears throat> so continue. So the next day, uh, one of the players walks in and he goes, Hey man, uh, there's an issue. And I go, what? He goes, I woke up to a call from my wife saying that I had like a $3,000 bill tab or a bar tab. I'm like, what? And long story short, I guess he had opened a tab and the people at 300 had just accidentally put it on his, but that wasn't the funny. The funny part was they were bringing these boxes of champagne up. And as they're doing that and they're opening these boxes of champagne for us, the general manager walks by. He goes, hey, what, what are you guys doing bringing those out? And, and the guy's like, they told me to bring out the, the, you know, the, bar, the 
whoever the barkeep was like, Hey, they told me to bring these boxes of champagne out. Guy goes, yeah, we told you to bring out the $10 bottles, not the $125 bottles. So they brought out like six cases of $125 a bottle champagne that we, and I just remember at the end of it, I remember like most people had left and I heard him say that. And so I was like, screw that. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to sit here and drink this really expensive champagne. Offered the, that champagne was free, right? That was the deal. Yes. Of, hey, you, come yes. Up, you, you spend your money on other drinks and we'll gift you this champagne. Right, right. So it's not like they were like, here's your $120 champagne. Oops, we're going to put that on your credit card. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That was supposed to be the free champagne. So I hope that guy still has a job. I feel kind of bad for him, but. <laughs> yeah, I remember the whole credit card debacle of one. I'm sure that wife was not very happy. <laughs> no, that couldn't have been. That couldn't have been a good. That couldn't have been a fun conversation. Yeah, it, it just, yeah, it definitely, definitely wasn't one that I'm looking forward to having. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and that was, that definitely, I, Jason, one of our sales guys, was the one who had to go over and straighten it all out, and I remember that being a, an interesting other duty as a sign of, yeah, we got to go <laughs> charge this card instead of this card and get this refunded and figure all this out, so. I do think, you know, one cool thing about that, like, about that story, though, and one reason I loved Iowa so much is, like, that there was so much local business that like all the players, at least I feel like the players helped drive. Like when we wanted to do something in Iowa, we weren't going to chains. We were going to local businesses and we fell in love with these local businesses and we supported them. And I think that's a cool part of Iowa and Des Moines in general is that those businesses support us and that they were very willing to, to cater to us and help us, um, you know, whether it was getting our hair cut whenever we needed, um, you know, spots at the at their local shop or whether it be a table at a restaurant, um, you know, just anything like that. We had plenty of apartment complexes that were more than willing to 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 help us out. And, um, you know, the downtown there's it's just like it's such a sleeper city. Des Moines is just so cool. Um, and people really don't people that haven't been there don't understand um even the players like players go there and a lot of players will ask they, they would always ask me hey how's iowa man I'm, it's great and there and you and you get this like look of like come on how what you're in des moines and i'm like hey i i understand it's iowa but just come just come see it for yourself and everybody when they left it's like you're right this place was it's one of the it's one of everybody's favorite places to play in the pcl for sure yeah i hear that a lot and you're exactly right on what I tell everyone, because I'm not from Iowa, so what I tell everyone is, you're never gonna put Des Moines on your vacation list. You're not gonna say, hey, a long weekend, let's go to Des Moines. But if you find yourself in Des Moines, you're gonna look around and say, oh no, this is nice. Like, this is a great spot. 100%. And honestly, like the farmer's market on Saturdays, if there was nothing else that Des Moines did but the farmer's market on Saturdays, it would still be an unbelievable place to play. Like. For anybody, for for the other teams, like the teams that get to go walk around the farmers market before the games, yeah. like that's so cool. Well, since you brought it up, what are some of your other favorite spots from your time in Des Moines? Okay, so obviously mullets, a big. I like mullets. Um, High V, sneaky good grocery store, but man, that ready to eat food is always killer. That downtown High V really came in clutch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll give a shout out to what Kinnick's barbershop, I think is, I think is the guy's, uh, barbershop. He was our, he was always our barber when we were in town. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, yeah, 300 was great. I mean, just anything within walking distance, you know, everything was right there. Every, you know, like you didn't have to go anywhere for anything. Um, I never had to worry about my wife walking around downtown, which is so nice. Um, especially now, like with our kid. Um, although I will tell you this, our, our car got hit one time by a high V truck while it was parked on the side of the road. <laughs> but, but I'll give it to the, this is like, this is why I love Des Moines so much. Like whoever it was, like took the time out of his day, called the cops, left us a note. Like, so we got to do everything easily through insurance. It was all taken care of. Um, but I just remember coming home to it. Like, how did this happen? She was like, yeah, high V truck is. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Of all the things, yeah. Of all the things. So Des Moines is a great place to play. What are maybe some, we uh, had Alex and Randy, both Alex, our current broadcaster, Randy, former broadcaster and current assistant GM, talk on a previous episode about some of the travel that they go through, you know, as minor league broadcasters and everything. Um, do you have any travel stories to share of... of <laughs> They could be good or bad. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll find a couple in here. Uh, we'll start with one good one. There was so a lot of guys, uh, a lot of people. When we would take uh, like early morning flights, if there was an opportunity to take a red eye, a lot of people would try to take the red eye coming back from the West Coast, just so that they could get back to Des Moines uh, earlier, try to get a nap before the game. So this day, I don't remember the exact times, but let's say we were in Tacoma. The flight in Tacoma in the Seattle, left Seattle, Tacoma from at six in the morning. So that means that we needed to be at the airport by about 4.30, which means that we needed to leave our hotel in Tacoma by about 3.30. Which and is probably playing a 7 p.m. game the night before. And then... Yes. It- and we're playing a 7 p.m. game the next night in uh in Iowa but the plane wasn't going to get there till like two or three so it was more or less show up pretty much stay at the field so a lot of guys are like hey we'll take this red eye so instead of getting at the on the bus at 3 30 they got on the bus at uh you know 11th they got on a uber at one o'clock or 11 30 and drove to the airport uh so we all wake up 3 30 whatever we're all on the bus we get there well we get there and all the the entire group of 10 that had bought tickets is sitting in the airport so we ask them like what in the world and they said that the airport was so understaffed that they didn't have the people to load and unload the bags off the plane so that they couldn't load their bags on the plane and fly home so they had to wait and luckily um i think at the time shane was the trainer luckily he had not gotten rid of their tickets and they were still able to fly with us on the plane back. Uh, and so anyway, that was funny. They all made that there. There is only, I will say this. So I was in Iowa five years. There was one time when people took a different flight and didn't get there on time. But it did happen once. Uh, we were in Fresno. We were flying to Fresno and a couple guys walked across the field like right before the game started because their flight didn't get there in time. Um, that's a, that's just, that's not the look you're looking for. No. Uh, let's see. Oklahoma city. We were in Oklahoma city one year and they landed, they landed, but their gear didn't fly with them. 
or either it did fly with them or they couldn't unload it in time, we couldn't play the game because their gear wasn't there. So we sat, so we got there early, did our full pre BP infield, all that stuff. And then we sat in the, in the locker room waiting to hear when the game was going to start. And we ended up getting canceled. So we sat in the locker room all day for the game to get canceled. Uh, That was wild. But I'll tell you this, Oklahoma city also has probably my favorite on-field story. We didn't get into this one. Probably my favorite on-field story which is in 2015, we're playing in Oklahoma City. Uh, we have a non-scheduled doubleheader. So it's a 6.05 start. And I believe the first game was supposed to be finishing a game. So I think we were in like the third. The first game ended up going 19 innings. And, oh, yeah. and the second – so. The second game we ended up playing, but we didn't start that second game till 11.45 p.m. So in the first game, okay, so I'll, this, is the, this is why this is the funniest story ever. So the night before, we get in, and we bust in, and I had told somebody that uh, I was like, hey, we're going to run into this restaurant real quick, grab a bite, and we're going to go back to the hotel. Uh, so I'm like, hey, why don't you come with us? And he was like, no, I'm really tired. And I was like, dude, come on. Come, just come have a bite to eat. We'll walk right back to the hotel. No, I'm just going to head back. It's like, man, there's there's hits in this restaurant. You really should come in here. And uh, I'm like, if you don't come in here, you're going to go for 10 tomorrow. I knew we had a doubleheader. And so he's like, no, nah, man, I'm going home. I'm like, all right, whatever. So the next day comes. So he starts the game like 0 for 7. The first game. The first game of this doubleheader. So after the seventh. He comes in, he comes up to me and he's just so pissed. Goes 0 for 8. So after the eighth one, he's starting to throw stuff. 0 for 9. Well, now the whole team is in on it. Now the entire team knows. So he goes 0 for 9. So it's still game one, and he's 0 for 9. He gets up the 10th time, he gets out, goes 0 for 10, runs into the dugout, throws everything he owns, and he goes, Thank you, it's over. We just lost it. He ended up not getting a hit that game. I think he walked in his 11th at bat, and then I think he got a hit in the second game. Um, but I ended up – I tied the Iowa – so we ended up playing 20 – 19 and 7. We, or no, I, we might have only played six. 26 innings, whatever. And uh, I ended up tying the Iowa team record for most at-bats in a day. That day. Yeah, at twelve. At, <laughs> one of two records. That's the other story I tell everybody. Uh, if you remember <laughs> that story, I don't know if you're going to kill me if I bring that up, but you are in the record books. <laughs> I know. I, cause I remember asking you that question, uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> so the other thing that's funny about the Oklahoma city game is there. So they're on the third base dugout. We're on the first base dugout. They had the same right fielder, all 26 innings. Oh, the same guy. So I just estimated it being a hundred yards. So he did at least 5,200 yards of jogging that day. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, that was, so that's one of my favorite stories. Oh, and, and Chris Valeka uh-huh. was our, was our shortstop. And in the 13th, Buck Britton, who this story is going to come full circle, Buck Britton, who is now the double A manager for the Baltimore Orioles, who ran the secondary site for the Baltimore Orioles. So I was with him all last summer. Buck Britton with a man on second base in the 13th 
jams, gets jammed, hits a ball over Chris's head. It looks like he's going to go over Chris's head. Chris jumps, catches the ball, and he gets back in the dugout, and we all lost it on him. Like, dude, just let it fall. It's the 13th. We're ready to go home. <laughs> Buck Britton hits the walk-off home run in the 19th. Either way, he was going to win the game. So this could have been over in the 13th, and then the you 13th. play almost a whole nother game before yes. you're yes. able. So, I mean okay. – Go ahead. No, I was, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to, you kind of talked, you just mentioned how, you know, you're kind of done at the end of this. How does it feel to play 26 innings in a day? Oh, uh, yeah. It wasn't near as bad for me. I played first the entire, all of it. And so we're on the first base dugout. So I had like a 10 foot jog here and there. Uh, I, Taylor Teagarden caught the first game, the entire first game. So I think he ended up catching like 13 and uh, no more than that, maybe 15 innings. I think we we're in the third or fourth. Um, I, I can't fathom how he felt the next day. No. And I don't know. I don't know how the right fielder walked. I really don't. I, 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 I felt bad for that guy. Like I wanted to go play a couple innings for him. Um, but, but no, that, that would, it was easy for me to wake up the next day. I went three for 12 or four for 12. And uh, I think I went four for 12. And I played first. So, like, I was like, yeah, that was, a, that was fine. Like, I was completely content with that. Um, so, I'll tell – so, I remember last year, or in 2019, uh, when I asked you, I was like, all right, like, I, the, the thought that got me thinking about it was I figured games played or games active or something, I had to be close in the yeah. Iowa Cubs. So, I remember asking – I came up and asked you, like, hey, can you find out if I have any records? <laughs> And I remember being outside, like going outside to catch bullpens one day and you walking down with some papers and you did not want me to, you did not want to do this to me. I know you didn't, but it's actually way better. (laughs) And so for everybody just listening, Shelby's walking down the field and she's like, Hey, uh," I'm like, Hey, did you find those records? She goes, "Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I think you got one of them. Uh, I'll have to double check. And she had them in her hands. I'm like, just give me the, just give me the paper. And she's like, I'm like, what is it got games played or something like active game? You know, no, well, just tell me no here. Here's the, and you wouldn't even tell me. So I looked on there just so everybody knows I've got twice as many as the next guy too. So this is not an easy, like this is going to take a long, it might stick by a long shot. Yeah. I believe, I I believe the number's 58, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's, it's, it was 58 at the time. I probably had a bunch more. Yeah finish i'm looking at the at the book right now okay uh and she goes yeah you've got twice as many as the next guy of grounded into double plays (laughs) i was like oh if there is one thing i can be proud of i guess it's that (laughs) you've got a record again going back to our the first story you just have to leave it at i hold an iowa cubs record and just don't fill in the blanks and you sound cool yeah, but you know what? So, and, and I've always said this too, though. I've always said this is that, and I mean this, and I, I don't think a lot of people think I mean this, but I truly do. I want somebody to smile or laugh every single time I play the game. Whether that's me, the other team, or the fans, I want somebody to enjoy it. So, like, at least when I tell this story and, like, guys are like, all right, yeah, you got a record. What is it? <laughs> Somebody's going to get a kick out of the fact that it's double plays, you know? So it's a it's it's kind of a fun thing actually I think. So for context, you have sixty five. Oh. And the next guy, Julio Zalita, has uh, thirty nine. 
so. so not quite double. I had a little bit more to go. <laughs> you could, yeah, you could have done better there, but um, and I mean, I think you would have gotten to that games played and everything, except your catcher. So you're just not getting yeah. 130 games in a year. But yeah, that was uh, a well, correct I, I, But I think uh, does Blake Parker still holds one of the records? I think doesn't he for like most games? Maybe just games. I thought Blake Parker was on there for something, and it was like something freakish so one of the like records yeah, for games he's appeared in for for pitchers he's appeared in eight seasons as an iowa cub so that was the the most seasons yeah played. so i had a long way to go i had i had so parts of five parts of five in iowa and parts of four in tennessee so i was a i was a veteran at multiple levels in the cub system you will never be forgotten here <laughs> <laughs> i still have the i do you remember when we did the uh uh, I the oh, what is it? The emoji day. I still have my emoji. I still oh, have you, my emoji. Yeah. You got it signed by everyone, didn't you? Yeah, everybody. And I won't throw this guy into the bus, although I don't think he's going to listen to this. But I really, at, in the beginning, I was like, "This is really cool. Like, I think I want to hang this up." Yeah. And then one, and then one player came over and signed in the middle of my eyes on this on this board. <laughs> and so, like, I liked the guy. But, like, I was like, well, I can't just have, like, one random signature on here. So I was like, all right, everybody signed it. But now it's cool that everybody signed it. But uh, that was kind of a funny part of that. For context, for social media night, we had, like, a selfie station. And this is, what is it what, like, four feet, three feet? Like a big head. It's big. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah I'd say four foot, four feet by three feet, yeah. It's like an emoji head of your face. And everyone loved it. And, yeah, I just remember you saying, well, can I? Can I keep that? And I kind of thought about it, and I was like, "Well, I, I mean, I'm not going to do anything with it." So, <laughs> great, you take. Yeah, it. that's funny. Uh, I, I will say uh, one on-field thing I forgot is the bobblehead. The bobblehead's one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me. Um, still, and I actually had so. Um, I still have a few too. One of my old, one of the uh, well, MJ, the uh, catching coordinator for the Cubs. Yep. Yeah. So he came up to me when he found out this was all happening. He goes, hey, here's a good idea for you. He's like, take a couple of those and like put them in a shoebox and put them just like at the back of your storage. Like just and then just totally forget about them so that in 30 years when you open it back up, like it'll just be there. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. So that's kind of where we're at with that. I've got a we've got like a couple like and I give them away still, but um, it'll be really cool for my son to see at some point. That's awesome. And that leads us into the most important topic of this podcast is talking about the staring catcher video, which that was kind of an offshoot of. And uh, we're going to bring in Justin Walters, our director of video for a minute here, um, who was the one who put the video together and kind of the, the mastermind behind all of this. Um, but I guess, Justin, do you want to explain the video and kind of how that came to be? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, thanks for bringing me in. Happy to give my perspective on sort of how all this went down um, on from my end. Um, yeah, I think it was, uh, I have in my notes that it was early June. I think June 6th was the first time I saved a clip of, of you, Taylor, staring into the camera. And there's probably some other times before that that it happened too. But, um, but uh, that was the first clip that I saved. Uh, and then uh, as the season went on and we kept having fun with it, I'd just sort of kept saving those clips. And, um, and by the end of the year, I was like, I probably got 
40, 50 clips of, of you making some sort of funny <laughs> face into the camera. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I was like, it, you know, this is definitely enough to do something with it. Um, and so, you know, just tried to, you know, inside joke type of stuff. I know that all the, the video crew members that year had a lot of fun with it. And, uh, and I know you guys were having fun with it on the field. And so wanted to do something for the end of the season and, uh, get all that, got all the clips together and picked out the best ones. And, uh, I wish I had a better story about how I picked the song. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but it was, it was, it was actually just me Googling, uh, songs about eyes, uh, <laughs> I did. I've never heard this. So this is <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm just thinking. I mean, you guys have met before, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say it, it's kind of interesting going into this. I was thinking about it, and I was like, I mean, you guys are just removed in what you do day to day, but yet you're so tied with this. So connected. Video. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. for sure, for sure. And and you know that was actually one of the things that like when people ask me about it. There were two, there are two things that I always say, like, other than the fact that like, it was just fun and fun loving and all that stuff. There was one instance where like, and I don't, I, I always tell the story and I'd never have looked up something traumatic had happened in our country around that time. I don't remember what it was, um, but we had had something kind of major go on. And I remember getting a message from somebody like right around that time frame. That said, like, you know, with everything going on, like, it's been really hard to be happy and, and all that kind of stuff. And but your video was like one way I got to smile. And I thought like that, like, I was like, man, that's really cool. And then the thought of you and you brought it up already, but the video team and the thought of the fact that like some of these interns and some of these people that were just beginning now have that to put on their resume and have that to put into their portfolio. Like, that's really cool. And it's cool to be a part of that. And it's cool to be able to hopefully help those people at some point get a job doing that. Yeah. And let's rewind a little bit. I know you've told the story a hundred times, but what's the background from your perspective, TD, of why did you start staring at the camera? How did that come into play? All right. Chris Negron, who now I believe he's the, somebody told me he's the manager in Tacoma now. He'll be yeah, um, manager for 2021. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, Chris Negron in 20, so that when did the, the, that came out in 2017. So in 2016, Chris Negron uh, stared at the camera during the anthem, and I just thought it was really funny. So 2017 comes around, and Chris wasn't there, uh, but I just I still thought it was funny. So I started doing it, and every now and again I get a laugh. Well, a couple games into the season, uh, the bull, I, I noticed I'd be in the bullpen, and the bullpen was losing their minds. They just thought it was the funniest thing ever. And so I was like, all right, you know, I'll just keep doing it. So then this is when it really like sparked though. Sam came up to me, Sam or Randy before a game and said, uh, Hey, are you going to do the stare today? Like what? They're like, you're going to do the stare today. And I was like, I mean, yeah, but like, why, like, how do you know that this is even a thing? And he was like, oh, man, the fans are asking. Like, the fans want it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, all right, this is fantastic. This is way better than I thought. Like, we're going to roll this out big time. And so then, obviously, it went from, like, just the anthem, which, by the way, let me make the disclaimer. I, I utter utmost respect for the anthem, and I in no means was that trying to be disrespectful. Let me make that disclaimer at this point. But uh, then it started shifting from that to um, – 
like me doing it like in off times, like in the bullpen. There's one in the bullpen that's funny. Just about everybody's favorite is when I'm going to shake Dylan's hand during the game. But the funny part about that one is everybody thinks the one when I'm out on the field is like during the game, but it's at the end of the game. So like there's nothing happening. Everybody, like all my friends that I show it to, they're like, you did that during the like, during a play? And I was like, yeah, 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 maybe. I don't know. But uh, yeah. So and that's how it happened. And it got, and, you know, the funny part about it is like not only did it happen, but then in like 2018, everybody was like, all right, what's next? Like, are you going to, you know, what are you going to do now? You got to do something else. I'm like, I'm like a one trick pony. That's all I got. I don't know. I'm a Hanson, you know? Well, it was, so how it exploded was Justin made this video and it was kind of just an inside joke thing. And I remember him coming to me and saying, hey, the video team, me, the video team and I, we put this together and we want to show it to Taylor. Will you let him know that we're going to play this pregame and just to watch the video board? And I said, yeah, for sure. So I think I came and talked to you and he said, hey, the video team has a surprise for you. And it's about a two minute video and everything. And everyone laughed and thought it was a good time and everything. And then Justin sends me an email and says, hey, just if you want to use this for social media, here's the video. He said, okay, you know. We thought it was funny. I'm sure a couple people will also get a kick out of it. So I genuinely put zero thought into this. I typed a quick. Well, thanks, Shelby. Like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Justin literally that. spent his entire summer putting this together, and you just admitted you put zero thought into putting it out there. He had already made the content. It was polished. It was perfect. I didn't have to put any more thought into it. <laughs> But really, I was just like, it's a funny video. Yeah. We'll, we'll post it on our sites. So I post it and, um, you know, wake up in the morning and it's everywhere. I mean, it just, I guess when were, my question for you guys is, when did each of you realize that this was, you know, turning into something? I'll let you, I, I remember mine clearly. So you go ahead, Justin. Uh, I, th I think for me, the, the first two sites that I saw it on where I knew that it was getting some good attention were Bleacher Report and uh, Deadspin had it on there as, yeah. as well. Uh, and when I saw it on there, I was like, oh, this is getting some attention uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, I remember Deadspin. I, I remember hearing Deadspin as well. One that uh, the other one that got me was somebody had told me it was on Yahoo. It had made like Yahoo Sports or something. And I remember thinking like, that, that was a, that's just a, you don't hear that often. So if somebody had mentioned that, uh, and then for me, Shelby, you texted, we had gone to Memphis right after it came out and you had texted me after a game, like, Hey, can you call me? Or during a game, like, Hey, can you call me after the game? And that was when you asked me to do that. Hey, sports center. I wanted you to be on. And I was like, what? And that's when I knew it was big. And the funny thing, I think you guys know this story, but the funny thing about the sports center interview Actually, Justin, you might not know the story. The funny thing about the sports center interview is that they call me. And Shelby, you've been to the hotel in Memphis, correct? No, not in Memphis. Okay. So the hotel in Memphis at the time, I think we stayed at a, at a sleep in. And so you texted me. So on our way home, we walked back from the field. So on our way home, I go to the hotel, the front desk. Or I'm sorry. I call to the front desk and I say, hey, uh, I need you. Can I use a business room in the morning? Because Sports Center asked that I be in a room. You know, they had like their list of things. Like, hey, here's what we want you to do. We want you to have headphones. Blah blah blah. And so, Chris Dominguez was my roommate, 
And because it was me, I was going to be on like the 4 a.m. Sports Center. So yeah, I think like, your interview was like 7 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I had to get up like really early and I'm like, there is no way I'm asking Chris to get up and leave the room for me to do this interview. So I, so in the evening on the way home, I'm like, oh, I'll just ask them. Most places have a business center or something like an empty room even. Hey. Uh, and they're like, yeah, that's hey, no big deal. Just, uh, I'm like, okay, do I need a key? Do I need to reserve it or. Oh no, just come down in the morning and we'll let, you know. Okay, cool. So I wake up, I don't know, five, whatever the heck time I was supposed to wake up. And I go downstairs and I say, Hey, I'm here to use your business center or whatever. And the lady looks at me like really funny. And I'm like, all right. And she goes, we don't have, we have like, we have a computer up there. Like you can, you can use the computer. And I go, no, miss, like I'm getting ready. I'm, I'm supposed to do an interview on ESPN. I, do you have like an extra room? I can just, I, I need it for like 20 minutes. Like, can I do, She's like, no, like we don't have anything. So now I'm panicked. Now I've got like 10 to 15 minutes before this interview. It's like the biggest interview of my life. And I'm going to be on camera. So I'm like, all right, what do I do? So I don't know why I thought this was the best idea, but I thought it was. I grabbed a luggage cart and I go up the elevator and across from the elevators, the like wallpaper, the paint was like, like the same everywhere else. There were like designs or there was doors. So I'm like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to sit right here with my back to this wall. So it looks like I'm sitting in a chair in a wall and I'm going to put my phone on the luggage cart. And I'm just going to hope and pray that nobody comes by because I'm right in front of the elevator. So like if anybody has to wake up for work that day or anybody gets there, I I'm out like this is not going to be good for me. So I did this entire interview sitting with my feet laying under a luggage cart, my back against the, the hallway wall and my, my phone on the luggage cart. And as soon I kid you not, as soon as I hung up the phone, somebody walks down the hallway to get on the elevator to go downstairs. I was so lucky. Like I was thinking in my head, like, how am I, what, like, what are the lines I'm going to use to get out of this? If somebody like, Oh, Hey, I got to end the interview guys. Sorry. got to go. got to go. You have to see it. Uh, but no, that was, that, that was, that was, that was when I realized it was big, at least was, was sports center. Um, and then the other, here was another funny one. So we're in Chicago that September, me and my wife are, and this part was, it was kind of funny. Uh, people started, you know, people would ask for our picture. And so, but it's turned into, it turned from like people wanting me in the picture, like me and my wife or whatever to like, Hey, uh, can you take a picture of us? So then she just started being like the photographer. Everybody like kicked her out of the picture. And then, so we're at, um, I'm at, I'm eating dinner at Cheesecake Factory. This guy comes up to me and my wife's not, this, just me. Meeting dinner at Cheesecake Factory, and one of the uh, waiters comes up to me, and he says, hey, um, I'll buy your dessert if – you mean you'll buy my cheesecake? If uh, you'll take a picture with me after the dinner. But yeah, stick. No big deal. So, so we go outside. This guy starts directing scenes. Like, he has me like – okay, so, like, the first thing he goes, okay, can you do, like – can you do the stare? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I did it. And then he's like, all right, now I got to That was for Snapchat. Now we're going to do it for Instagram. Do it again. So I go, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. So I did it again. Then he goes, okay, now we're going to have you stand over there. 
then I want you to start doing this, and then you're going to end with this. I'm thinking in my head, like, I, I said, like, are, are how many of these poses, how many of these scenes you plan on running through, guy? Like, I thought we were taking a picture. But still, that one still stood out to me as, like, just the one, like, the one, the one random one. And I actually ended up getting my cheesecake wrong, and that made me very, very sad. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I remember the two the two that stick out for me was that it got picked up by a news outlet in what the Netherlands or something. That's right. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we were like, okay, so we're we've gone global now, so this is a big deal. And then I think like a week later, someone tagged us the Iowa Cubs and something on Twitter, and it was you guys at the airport, and it was a random person like recording you. <sighs> okay, I can. Yes. So. I forgot about that one. So, uh, were we flying? So it was either flying to Memphis or flying home from Memphis. I believe it was flying home from Memphis that year. Uh, so like that trip, we were flying home and there was a college football team that was walking through the airport at like, it was, you know, it's a PCL travel day. So for those who don't know PCL travel days, league mandated first flight available, unless you're taking a nonstop which we didn't have very many nonstops. So we're taking the first flight available all the time. So it's another like 5 a.m. flight. And this, one of the football coaches starts screaming my name and like yelling like, do the stair, you're the stair guy, do this. And it's like five in the morning. We just played a game at 7 p.m. All my teammates are looking at me like, dude, you got to get this guy to stop. I am tired. It is too early for this. So I went and like took pictures with him and he was, he was okay. It was funny, but that was, that was a good one. That was funny. I will say there was a couple also that I looked back on in preparation for this interview too. I didn't know that Joel McHale, the guy from community yeah. and who else this soup, he called you the funniest person on the planet right now. Um, and I tried to take advantage of that too. I, I talked to him for a little bit and I was like, man, this, cause I actually think he is really funny. So I was like, Hey man, like I would love to love to hang out with you or something. Like, I think he's, I think he's in Chicago, so, but nothing ever. Anyway, long story short, nothing ever came of that, but I actually did think that was, that was the most important person that I remember seeing write something about it. We also had, uh, and I don't know if Shelby mentioned this to you, we had a Canadian movie reach out that wanted to use the clip of a feature film uh, that came out in 2019. Um, and we gave him the clip and essentially it was a scene of this kid watching the TV and he, they wanted a person on the TV to be staring, staring back, back at, him? at the kid. Um, and I've, I've tried to watch the, it's a sort of independent film. So I've had trouble finding it except for the trailer. Um, so I'm still not sure if they've used it, but, uh, <laughs> but, but they, but they, they did have the clip and reached out in interest of having you in that, in that movie. Oh, that's too. awesome. Yeah. That's might awesome. Have an IMBD page that we don't know about. We should look it up. Oh man. Yeah, you get me an IMDb page, we're in trouble. <laughs> I've always I've always thought like I think acting would be cool. I've always loved to try to I've I've told my wife for a long time that when I'm done playing, I think that's one thing I'd love to try. Yeah, go for it. We support <laughs> you. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, what a what a crazy thing that video was. I think it was much bigger than any of us ever anticipated. Um, it was, I ran into the guy, Brad Friedman, who did social media for minor league baseball for a couple years. And I ran into him a year later at a conference and he said, because minor league baseball had reached out to us 
and had also posted the clips a few days after we did. And he said a year later, it was still their most engaged with post regularly. Like when they did their monthly report. That's cool. It yeah. was getting the most engagement of anything they put up 12 months later. Um, <laughs> and it's still, I mean, on our pages, we still, it, it's trickled off a little bit. But I, it's still about once a month or something, it'll pop up and someone will... Com have commented on it or tagged someone in it or something. That's awesome. So it's still circulating. It's got a whole mind of its own now. Yeah, it became like a little like a cult following for sure. It did. <laughs> it did. Um, I don't know, Justin, anything else to add Add for this? And did we cover everything? No, I, I, yeah, I think that we covered most of that. It's, that's always a fun memory, I think, to look back on. That season was fun and, and, and everything around that, uh, including the bobblehead and us even starting the Michael and the mayor stuff that we did the next year oh, and, and doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's tell the Michael and the mayor story. That's a good one. That's a funny story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So let's see, was that in 28? That was in 2018 too. Yeah. 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 So then the, yeah. So then 2018 was the mayor. So we had Michael Roth was on that team and I, I thought Michael Roth, who by the way, uh, is they are pregnant. They're oh. getting ready to, they're expecting um with their first so that's really cool and he's done playing except he was trying to play for team great britain for the olympics i don't know if he still is i don't know what's kind of happening there but uh anyway so south carolina legend michael roth i just i really got along with him well so we started this podcast called michael and the mayor and it was going fine until michael got released well then I was like, okay, no big deal. We got a couple more mics to choose from. So we went with Mike Freeman, another one of my really good friends. So I really, we had a great, huh? Uh, we just said, we'll slot in another mic and just not say anything. It's still yeah, well, like you said, right? Like we're just, yeah, just, yeah. yeah, just let it go. So, and I think that was actually, if you're, I think if, if you go look at the clip or like that episode, I think we did that. I don't think we talked about it until the end. No, we had talked about yep. that beforehand because he yeah. got released and we had had a, you and I had had a conversation like, well, what are we going to do? And yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Stacked your like idea. It. Yeah. You said, I'll get, get Mike Freeman on here. We just, yeah. it will just proceed. Like we just, yes. and, and, and that, that came after. So the Mike, I will say though, the Michael Roth episode with Joe, with Jen Hosang. It's my favorite thing. Oh, good. I've ever seen. It's my favorite. That's one of the funnier videos on the internet, I think um yeah. but it, for those who haven't seen that all those clips are on our facebook you probably have to scroll a little bit down but they still live there and i think on youtube as well and they're worth watching <laughs> so so then me and mike freeman do i think we ended up getting one and and then mike freeman tore his acl and so then i remember like after that happened i remember thinking in my head like this is a tough start for me like I get a guy released, a guy tears his ACL. So then you and me and me and Shelby are talking and like, we're trying to figure out another mic. Should we go with another mic? Should we change the name? And then you suggested we go with Michael, the owner, Michael. Uh huh. And in my head, I was like, look, Shelby, I'm going the wrong direction with these guys. First guy gets released. <laughs> second guy gets hurt really bad. I, I'm not doing this with Michael. Like, I don't know what could happen, but. Like, I'll, I'll pray for him all day long, but I don't think that he needs to be on this. I'm not going to be responsible. Like, can't. <laughs> so, in, uh, you know, I think, I think it was the right time. It was one of those things where I think it, it 
fell off too early though. I look back, that was something I think could have got really funny. Um, had had Michael Roth kept going and or had me and Freeman uh, kept going, but what did you just say yeah, Roth was hilarious and it was a great. You guys were so good together. Yes, that was the yeah. Yeah, he had such a great dry humor that he's one of those people that tells like I tell a joke and I laugh, so you know I'm kidding and I'm probably laughing harder than you are. He's one of those guys that throws something in and then just sits there and kind of looks at you, and you got to think a minute. <laughs> And say, oh, he was like that was a joke. He was kidding, yeah. He kind of smiles, and it was a great, it was a great tandem. And yeah, I really wish he would have stuck around a little bit longer because that was fun. That was that was cool. Yeah, Taylor, we'll wrap up with you so you can go back to your lovely wife and your child and say hi to them for us. Uh, and thank you so much for being a guest. It was so fun to catch up. Absolutely, thanks guys for having me.